Why is it so hard to retain talent? This question haunts businesses. Conventional wisdom and much-touted innovation never solved the riddle of rampant employee transients. However, there is a method which proves itself efficient generation after generation. This approach is far from groundbreaking, yet has received so little attention that it might as well be. Some of those who worked closest to Queen Elizabeth II remained on staff for over 60 years. Otherwise, her household enjoyed a rate of labor retention which vastly exceeded the U.S. average. Find out about Her Majesty's pursuit of workplace excellence in my latest book, Follow the Leader, What the Business World Can Learn How Queen Elizabeth Managed and Served Others. Available now on Amazon. Just type in Joseph Cotto and Follow the Leader. It may be what you need to take your business to the next level. Top of the evening, everyone. I'm Joseph Cotto. Joining me tonight is Halsey English. Halsey, how's it going? Can't, can't complain. Can't complain, my friend. How are you? Doing well. What's, what was it that Henry Ford said? Uh, don't complain, don't explain. So I guess that uh, <laughs> that's, that, that's a bit of advice that always rings true. But anyway, we're, we're going to be uh, discussing quite a few things tonight and complaining about quite a few things, no doubt, and then explaining them. So I guess we're going to ignore what Henry said. But anyhow, uh, there are, uh, I mean, what does one get into first? The Hollywood situation, which we were discussing just before we went on, or uh, the trade situation as opposed to the graduate school uh, education situation so many different situations here but uh, I think we'll start with with the uh, with the educational matter now well, first we get I get to ask you a question sure how are you liking being on Twitter as your exclusive streaming platform because I know I a few people that are, that have switched over to it and they're all pretty happy with it I like it a lot. I really do. Uh, it's vastly better than YouTube in a host of ways. I mean, there's so much more viewership here. I mean, that's first and foremost. It's pretty simple to use. There's no super chat functionality, but that's okay. This is, show is a different format than a, you know, a YouTube one. Uh, and there's no Streamlabs here either. That's fine with me as well. Uh, I, th I think some people probably hook it up to their show on Twitter, but I don't think Twitter is a good format for stream labs or anything like that but i i think that uh, uh twitter really is providing a unique service with uh it's 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 shift under musk where it's really becoming something friendlier toward content creators as opposed to folks who just you know send out brief messages on twitter content creators uh, when it comes to movies uh obviously live streams like this which are uh, the modern day equivalent of tv programs uh musicians uh people who do long form uh writing you know people who write articles that are over a thousand words people are now able to do that on twitter if they're verified so it's really uh something else i think twitter is moving in a positive direction but it has a lot of glitches and bugs that I'm seeing, and they are annoying, although I presume that it's growing pains and they'll be ironed out soon enough. Okay, great. Yeah, I mean, as I said, at the very least, I'm going to add it to, to like YouTube and all of that, but I haven't been streaming much anyway, so it's, oh, really? it's pointless to, yeah, I, I haven't streamed in probably a month, month and a half. Um, mm -hmm. I just I just haven't had the time. I've been, I've been really busy and trying to keep my, my head down a little bit, so. Got it. 
Now, there's there's certainly a lot going on in the world, and uh, is when you want to get streaming again regularly, you'll have a lot of subject matter to address. Uh, but uh, talking about the situation with education, uh, both you and I have graduate degrees. You have how many master's degrees, Halsey? I forgot. I just have one. I have one master's degree, but I have five undergraduate degrees. Okay, so, so five bachelors, uh, that'd be right. Yes. Five bachelors. And one in the grad degree, what was that in? A master I have an one. MBA in glo- focused on global economics. Got you. Uh, I <laughs> I have uh, one undergraduate degree, uh, two master's degrees, uh, and uh, of course the doctorate. So that is uh, where I'm coming from. Halsey and I, we both have a lot of degrees, uh, and I have no student debt. I was able to get the master's degrees done from a school in Spain, which charges like next to not very close to nothing by the standards of uh, the U.S., like unbelievably nothing. Like you would wonder if this is even legitimate nothing, but of course it is. Uh, and the uh, and the doctorate was uh, pretty close to nothing by the standards of American uh, doctorates in terms of how much the American doctorates cost. Uh, of course, that's a legitimate doctorate. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. legitimate as well. So, uh, you know, people, when it comes to foreign universities, sometimes go, is it real? Is it real? Yes, it's all real. But uh, the fact of the matter is, here in the U.S., people do go into astronomical student debt to get undergraduate degrees, let alone grad degrees, and they wind up being very angry about this. And you see that now with the politics of student debt, where people want the government to forgive their loans, and the Supreme Court shot that down very recently, although the Biden administration is back with some new strategy. I think people who have uh, a student debt of 25 years of age or more uh, what is it like 3% of it's being forgiven or something like that? I even forgot. Uh, and it's basically just the government writing off bad debt, which is something that, you know, businesses do all the time. doesn't really make a difference because these people who are that long in debt and that deeply in debt are not going to pay the debt back in all likelihood. So it's, it's, it's basically just a ploy on the Biden administration's part. Even then, I hope it's shot down in court. But uh, it, it, the fact of the matter is that here in America, people spend a lot of money on degrees, that do not pay off for them. And that is a problem. And an alternative, which a lot of folks have, is uh, an education in the trades. Uh, and the trades can be very monetizable, no question about it. Uh, it, 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 it they are uh, practical. Uh, trade education is utilizable. The thing of it is, you know, a lot of people uh, don't want to break their back as an electrician or a plumber. Uh, and Quite frankly, a lot of people, arguably most people, don't have the mindset for that sort of work, period. Uh, Also, these are very masculine professions. Uh, It's hard to see that a lot of women would have any real interest in them. But, uh, you know, all the same, trades are becoming more popular, and that's a good thing. Uh, So, I mean, a lot of places to go with this. What do you have to say, Halsey? So I've I've always found it a bit odd, and it's it's just become odder and odder and odder, and and it... it, it really comes to focus when you talk about the student debt issue. Now, it's it's funny because people were complaining about the student debt issue. They're saying like, oh, well, why would the Supreme Court strike this down and all that? It had nothing to do with whether the government has the power to strike down student debt. They do. It just has to come from Congress. You you can't, the, the president just can't authorize $400 billion in social programming based on a whim. You know, and it normally doesn't help politicians when they spend years telling you they don't have the power to do it and then they do it anyway. So which is exactly what Biden did. So, I mean, the Supreme Court got it right. I don't personally care 
if the government forgives student debt or not, just because I don't think the government, like, I don't think what they're spending money on at all for almost anything matters. So I think it's all shitty spending. So if, if you're going to spend it, then I don't care. You might as well just spend it on that or anything else. But the problem is the mindset. And the mindset has been, and it was somewhat there when I was in school, but not as even close to as much as it is now. Now, the idea is if you go to college, you're entitled to a career which pays well, doesn't require you to work very hard, and enables you to move up the ladder at, at, an, at an astounding pace just because you survived four years of college, regardless of what you studied. And more and more we're finding, and, and this has probably been one of the bigger downsides of globalism, we were always told that the jobs that are being outsourced don't matter because nobody wants them anymore. Mm -hmm. And the white collar world is where America's future is. Well, now we're at the point where the white collar world is being phased out because nobody wants those jobs either, including the corporations that have them. They're not being outsourced. There's just no reason for them. And that was also another really like big effect of COVID is that people realized that an office filled with middle managers and spent 90% of their times in meetings, discussing things that didn't matter. And the protocol of, you know, showing up, punching in, taking two 30 minute, uh, two 15 minute breaks and a 30 minute lunch. Hmm. Like all of those things are obsolete at this point because they found overwhelmingly that people are more productive, even if they're not working a full eight hours a day. And that's something that's, it's been really hard for people to get their heads wrapped around is that if you had someone in the office for eight hours, they probably did less than somebody who was at home working their ass off for three hours, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. more and more you're finding that, yes, yeah, some people want the protocol of it, especially when you're dealing with like financial institutions, when you have like a stock market that's open from a certain time or, you know, investment houses, things like that. But the majority of, of white collar offices don't need you there eight hours a day. They need you to be productive. So a productive staff, is is the goal always so when they notice that maybe 30 40 percent of their employees are middle managers that have no productive value whatsoever because they were there to manage the productive workers you you have now have a glut of people like they're, they're nobody's hiring like you hear about the the job market is on fire everyone can find work that's just not true the reason why unemployment is so low and the job numbers keep going up, and this has been proven time and time again by, by polls, surveys, uh, actual data that says that people are just taking more jobs. It's, it's not that the, the job market is getting bigger. It's just people are taking two, three, four jobs at a time. And they started counting, uh, counting gig work too. So you might work for Uber, Lyft, DoorDash and, you know, one or two other of these th of these companies. And that counts as five jobs, uh -huh. you know, but that were added to the economy. But are those productive jobs? Of course not. Mm -hmm. You know, like you can only work so many, you can only drive so many people. You can only do so many pizza deliveries in a day. So and you can only make so much money. So they're finding that America's ability to earn money and Americans ability to provide for a standard of living, even with the inflation and, and all of that has been dramatically decreasing at a time where job growth is supposedly off the charts. So, and you're going to find this happening more and more and more. You're going to find more that people just don't want to hire people 
for really stupid office jobs, especially now with AI, like you're going to find even less. Mm -hmm. And that's why, I mean, it's, it's very like cliche at this point to say, but it's very true. Half the, the jobs that you're finding nowadays, people are hiring strictly for diversity quotas. They're yeah. hiring women, they're hiring minorities, just so they can say we have this many minorities and women working there. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there have been people that have done YouTube videos on it. There are people that have done studies on it. And they show that when, a, when, when applications are received by, um, by most like larger corporations, mm -hmm. if they're noticeably white and male, they don't even get a call back. Mm -hmm. And people that are much less qualified are getting a call back because they just want to meet those ESG goals. They don't even care particularly about those workers even being productive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's, it's interesting because obviously uh, large companies, even though they say they cannot discriminate in hiring, uh, they do ask on uh, an application about your uh, sex and your race. Uh, and, you know, it's with the caveat that we won't use this against you. But, of course, you know damn well they're going to use it against you. So it's really something else. They also ask about mental illness, this, that, the other thing. It's crazy. Well, it's also, I mean, come on. It's like the affirmative action in college that if you want, if they could say, you could just check the box and say, I don't feel comfortable saying or anything mm -hmm. like that. Yep. But if your name is like Buckley Smith, <laughs> they're they're not gonna they're not gonna second guess what race and and sex you are, but mm -hmm. if your name is Laquanda Jones, like it's pretty obvious what it is. I mean, mm -hmm. there are going to be people that are gonna use that to buck the system. Like TFM always jokes that I'm, I I don't know if he's actually done it, but I know quite a few people claim they've done it that they identify on job applications into HR as a masculine presenting transgendered lesbian, which just is basically a dude. Mm -hmm. But but now you fill a diversity quota and you become generally unfireable because you could just claim discrimination. Mm -hmm. People are going to start doing that where they're just going to start legally changing their names or giving their kids like really wacky names so that you won't be able to tell the race and, and sex of the of the kid and, or, or themselves as as they apply to the job market. Really crazy stuff. I mean, it tells you about how uh, degenerate the United States has become. Now, how do you think the trades are a viable alternative to what we discussed? There's a lot of things that are pulling people back into the trades. Number one is the idea of no student debt. Mm -hmm. Number two is the idea of being able to work at 18. Number three is the idea that you can get into a trade union fairly easily. And while your, your starting salary at 18 in a trade union might suck, it might be... I think as a, as a what's what's as an apprentice, I think you make like, you know, 15 bucks an hour or 20 mm -hmm. bucks an hour. And you get you get your health insurance and all that, but it's shitty health insurance and all that. But within a few years, you're making actual good union money mm -hmm. and they're getting they're getting you on jobs. And yes, is it is it labor? Of course it is. But you know what? People are usually against labor until they try it. You know, very few people in the trades would say, you know what, I'd take a computer job any day over being a plumber. But most people at a computer job would say, I'd never give up my computer job to be a plumber. You know, and as I, I've said this for years now, plumbers make more than doctors. Like, and that's been true since I was a kid. I mean, when I was in high school, there was this girl, she was always like a real spoiled brat. And she always wore like the, the nicest clothes or whatever. And then at, at 17 years old, she shows up to, to school in a cherry red BMW convertible. And I was like, man, what do her parents do for a living? And someone like looked at me like, don't you know, her father's a plumber. And it, it was like, it dawned on me at that point, like, really? Like they weren't saying it like he's, he's a huge plumber. He has a giant plumbing business. 
it was like, how stupid are you that you don't realize that this girl is rich because she, her parents, her father's a plumber, you know, like everyone knows that the plumbers make a fortune. And then when you think about it, it's just common sense. Like if, if you're, if someone tells you it's going to cost you $300 an hour for them to wade through shit that piled up in your bathroom, you're paying it. it you're not going to be like, nah, that's too much money. Leave the shit. You know, like it, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way with electricians. It doesn't work that way with plumbers. It doesn't work that way with even with landscapers to some some degree. You know, like people don't have the time, the the money to go buy lawnmowers and all of that. Like people would much rather pay the 30 bucks a week to have someone come mow their lawn for them. So when you when you live in this kind of country where manual labor is so shunned, especially in cities, you're dealing with an opportunity for people that the only people who aren't willing to take those opportunities are people that are just generally very, very lazy or people that are incredibly gifted, which fine. If you're, if you're incredibly gifted in mathematics and want to get into mechanical engineering, you know, go for it. That's, that's worth going into debt for those jobs. Aren't going anywhere. They pay a fortune. And there's a reason why we import how many Indians a year to do these jobs, because there's not enough people to take them. So if you're that gifted, go for it. But if you're thinking about going to like community college to major to major in English, and then you plan to transfer to a four year college so you can get your you know your degree in underwater lesbian basket weaving, and then you want to go for a master's in queer studies and a doctorate in you know the history of of transgenderism throughout the Western world, just understand that like you're going to graduate with a ridiculous amount of debt, and the job market isn't going to be there. You're going to be working at, at an Outback Steakhouse or a Fridays or an Applebee's when you graduate because there are no jobs for you and nobody wants you. It's, it's not like people respect that to the point where they're like, well, we really need someone who knows business, but that person has a doctorate in queer studies. So they have to be really bright. Like, no, people see you as, as a nonstop liability. They know that the, the minute they bring you into the office, you're going to start complaining about the patriarchy or someone saying hi to you that was looking at your ass or whatever it may be. And they're going to not only be dealing with you being a shitty worker, but they're going to deal with you being a nonstop threat of a lawsuit. Mm -hmm. The trades don't don't do that. And I'm speaking from my own experience at this point, because I don't I don't really do much involving computer computers. I do. I market myself through computers. But ninety nine percent of what I do is in trades right now. I either do blacksmithing or gunsmithing or I, I take welding jobs or anything like like that's what I do. And you know what? I absolutely love it. Good. Like there's no there's no day that I wake up that I'm not happy to go to work on a job and that I don't come home feeling completely fulfilled by that job. Excellent. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's the uh, if, if, you, if you work and you do that, then you've already won. <laughs> that's, that, that is coming out ahead. That's the equivalent of getting the promotion. Uh, now, talking about, I suppose, people working in the trades, obviously, a lot of people mentally don't have what it takes to do the work of a plumber or an electrician, but for different reasons. I mean, an electrician that requires uh, a great degree of patience. It requires a great degree of uh, analytical skill. There's no, no, there are no two ways about that. It requires a very mature personality. To be a plumber, uh, it, it requires more. I mean, they're, they're both jobs involve physical labor. 
but it requires certainly more manual labor and a high tolerance for very disgusting things every single day in, day out. And you know your job is never really going to change. It is what it is from day one. It's just a question of whether or not uh, you're making a certain amount of money due to your experience level and how that relates to the nature of your employment. So it's it's something, and I mean, there are many different types of trades. We're just talking about the two ones that you know come to mind immediately here uh there will always be a need for plumbers and electricians and i encourage people to get involved with either uh but uh, at the same time there uh i don't think these jobs are for most people by design that, that that may be true but at the same time there's one thing that these jobs are that people have a very difficult time with they're not philosophical at all that's true if, if you're going to work as an electrician and you're called on to a job at the end of the day, if, they, you, if you flick the light switch and the light doesn't come on, no one cares how hard you work that day. Absolutely. So it's, it's all about what can you do to get the job done, you know? And, and you can't really cut corners. Like, obviously you can, if, but you won't get away with it for very long. Mm -hmm. You can cut corners all you want, but the first time you start burning down people's houses because you're not properly, you know, splicing wires... Or the first time someone's toilet explodes and, and their bathroom becomes soaked in shit because you didn't put in a, the, the right pipes. Like, you're not only are you going to not have any work, you're going to get the shit suit out of your insurance is going to go through the roof and you're going to require retrenchment. You're going to have to go back to basics, get a crappy job to start, no pun intended, mm -hmm. and, you know, like, and keep working to it. But mm -hmm. that's a big problem for a lot of people, especially like the Zoomers and, and the people that, they want everything to be philosophical. They don't want one plus one to equal two. So what they're hoping is, is that they get a job where you're basically asked for your opinion on everything because then you can never be wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, whereas, as I said, with the trades, you, you have to be right. There, there has to be an end result where this happens. Like they, they can't call you to cut down a tree and then you only take down half of it and go, yeah, but I worked my ass off. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, but you didn't finish the job. I'm not paying you. Like... That's the end, end of discussion. And no one's going to force me to pay you. Like, mm -hmm. you can't say I'm leaving the job. I did half of it. But, so pay me for half of it. But I'm not finishing it because I don't feel like it. Mm -hmm. Like, no, then you're getting nothing. Yep. Absolutely. But as uh, I said, the, big, the biggest draw is that you can start generally right out of high school. You can go to, you can go to even tech in high school. So mm -hmm. when you graduate high school, you already know welding. You already know there's some level of plumbing and electrician, like, yeah, you probably need like a year of trade school or mm -hmm. or, or a, a, an apprenticeship at a union to, to actually be ready to go get like an actual full-time job doing the work on your own. But other than that, like these are things you can get in high school. Like these are things that you can get for fairly cheap. Like, I mean, the, the most dramatic class I did was my, my welding school, right? I went for nine months. It was a lot of hours. It was five hours a day. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. For nine months. And it cost $32,000 which sounds like a lot of money for nine months. But I, they also had me overwhelmed with work, right? The minute I walked out, mm -hmm. like I, I couldn't stop my phone from, I still can't stop my phone from ringing for people calling to ask me for, for, you know, would I be willing to come in for an interview? Really? And as I said, the, the difference with trade school is there's not a single time a person asked me to go like get, ha get hammered with them, you know, during class, there was no like, fraternities or any kind of stupid shit about a professor didn't like me it was from the moment we got there till the moment we left we were working we were we were learning what we were supposed to learn the only times we were in classrooms was when we had to pass certification tests or because they wanted to teach us safety methods 
for something we were about to do that we haven't learned yet. One interesting thing, uh, this applies uh, to men. Uh, they tend to want a job which they think will make them attractive to a prospective romantic partner. And there's no question, and this is counterintuitive to a lot of guys think that money is everything, but there's no question that women tend to go for men who earn less money but have a more prestigious job relative to guys who do something like, you know, uh, being a plumber. Uh, and it, it, it's, it's a little strange because the fellow who's the best provider is the best provider and the woman should on a purely rational basis want to go for that guy if she's looking for someone to take care of her which most women are when it comes to the dating market whether they admit it or not uh and uh yet you know the guys who do very well for themselves in the trades tend to be rather lonely and miserable in many cases as i have heard uh and it's it, it's a fascinating thing anything to say about this state of affairs Halsey? Well, you're, you're talking about a conundrum that has a lot of different faces to it. It's not just that women would want a, a guy with a higher power, like a more prestigious job, but makes less money. Number one, there's still the, the idea that the trades don't pay well. Yeah. Like, mo like anybody in a professional field thinks like that electricians and plumbers are almost beneath them because they think that they're all poor. Mm. Okay, there's, there's that. The second thing is most women these days, like this this has only been true for the last maybe 20, 30 years, is that women these days are graduating with, with pretty high level degrees. And because of diversity and all of that, they're making really good money. And very unlikely a woman wants a man that makes less money than they do. So if they don't believe that a plumber makes more money than them, they're they're out of the water right there. So you're seeing the divorce rate among professional couples is way higher than yeah. among than among couples uh, that where one is in the trades and one's a stay-at-home mom or stuff like Absolutely. that. But you're again, you're starting to see that change because you're starting to see, like, yes, absolutely. Guys used to want to be able to become, you know, a high-powered stockbroker or whatever because the money's really great and because they can easily pick up women. But you're finding more and more and more, like, with this whole kind of incel, you know, college doesn't really care. We all hate white people kind of society we live in now oh. that it's it's not the case like people are graduating college with really good degrees getting decent jobs and the women still want nothing to do with it uh -huh. you know so you're are you going to meet the same if, if your goal is to meet a woman who's like a high-powered businesswoman and whatever like i mean god bless you i wouldn't want to <laughs> but if but if you if that's your goal then becoming going into the trades isn't going to help you but if your goal is to actually like have a family and maybe be happy and maybe have a wife who does is a stay at home mom or you want to have lots of kids or you want to live a religious life, being in the trades is made for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, no question about that. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, talking about money and how it relates to romance, because uh, as I have seen now, a lot of women are dating more men that don't make as much as they do. And the interesting thing is that some of these guys are able to compel these women to be surprisingly into them. Uh, if they are attractive enough, if they have a winning enough personality, that kind of thing. I think it relates to changes in the dynamics on the dating scene. Uh, so women are earning more money. Men are now being to earn less than women. Uh, so I think perhaps women, uh, a lot of them are not looking at the money as they once did, looking at other things, including status and prestige, two big ones. And women are very interested in the kind of education a man has uh, relative to how much men are interested in the education a woman has. Most men don't give a damn 
whether or not the woman they're dating has a college degree of one kind or another. But a lot of women care about that. And a lot of women will go for a guy who does not make much money at all, but he has impressive sounding academic credentials, whereas they will dump uh, or totally ignore, which may be even worse, the guy who makes a very good living, who does very well for himself, who's self-sustaining, uh, and who would be a good provider, but, you know, he's a tradesman. So it's, it's really fascinating. It really is. Because one thing that really compels men to earn a lot of money under any circumstances is the prospect of romance. Uh, and uh, nowadays, money is not the, just not the big thing. And I think a lot of these women won't go for the tradesman, even if they know that the tradesman earns much more than they do and that he has great earning potential just because they see him as uh, low status. It's just something there, whether one likes it or not. Well, there's also a lot of a, a lot of aspects that you left out. Number one, while what you're saying is true, you're also seeing a divorce rate that's through the roof and a fertility rate that's in the toilet. So these are two results of that. Also, what you're seeing is is that a woman, even if let's say the woman makes let's say eighty grand a year, right, and she and the, she was she was thinking about marrying a plumber that makes one hundred and fifty thousand a year. The difference is that plumber is going to be working from eight in the morning till eight at night every day, no matter what. There's no there's no flexibility here. So if they do want to have kids or if they do want to have a family, it's on her. Mm -hmm. And and that's understood when you marry someone in the trades, because someone in the trades does not have the ability to just say, yeah, I'm not working today or mm -hmm. yeah, I can I can take off early, like all the time and take care of the kids. Or when I get home, like when she gets home at five o'clock or six o'clock, he's still working till eight o'clock. And there's no if, ands or buts about it. Like if, if that's your job, that's your job. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not being paid to, to not work. And, and so a lot of women find that to be unattractive because they want the whole idea of a partner yeah. who's going to split. I think you've probably heard me tell the library story. This, this, this was such a weird thing with me, right? It was had to have been 2015 or 16, right? And Passover was during the week. So so I had I had no work, obviously, the first two days of Passover because it's it's a Yuntif and there's it's like Shabbos rules apply. Mm -hmm. Right. So at one point I said to the kids, I said, Oh, they're doing they do a story reading at the library, which is like a couple blocks from my house. So I said, Why don't we go over there? And uh, what's it called? And I'll, you can sit down and like listen to the story or whatever. And I'll just look around for a book because all of this is perfectly okay on, on a Jewish holiday. So we went there and I expected it to be generally empty. It's a Wednesday morning or whatever. And I walked in and it's loaded with men. There must have been 30 men there. And I didn't see a single woman. And my first thought, of course, is, of course, is oh, my God, they're all fags. Like, like, like I just walked into like, you know, the, the, the family equivalent of studio 54 you know <laughs> and and that was my first thought and after a while i talked to a couple of people because i'm at this point i'm like kind of trying to like convince my kids that this isn't really something they want to do and you know i'm like i already got a book like maybe we should go home or whatever and then a couple of them came up and talked to me or whatever and i realized none of them were fats they were all stay-at-home fathers all of them were stay-at-home fathers it was so weird that i felt uncomfortable talking to people there like because they all had like the, the little baby slings with like the babies on them and they all had their toddlers and and they were like saying like yeah we all come here like two three times a week because it's something to do with the kids and blah 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 and i'm like well don't you work at all and all of them were like no our wives work and i'm like 
Like, like at that point, you want to say like, but do you have testicles, or did like she remove them and put them in her pocketbook, or like, like what are you, what is this? But like, you don't want to be rude, so I just, I just kind of left and I never went back because it just, it made me very uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you know. And and that's a thing now with, with stay at home. That was never a thing, and now it's a thing mm-hmm. that you're seeing more and more. But women's nature is still not going to allow her to respect a guy who stays home and doesn't work. It doesn't matter how much she loves it. It doesn't matter that she has dinner waiting for like she gets everything that the man claims he wants. She gets dinner made for her, her house is clean. Kids are taken care of. She claims that she just wants equality. So she just wants all of those things that, that she always thought was men's domain. And then she gets it all and she's miserable because women don't want that. That's actually complete bullshit. Women don't also don't want high powered careers. You know what I'm saying? Most of the time, women want to get the hell out of work as quickly as humanly possible. They don't want more responsibility. They want better jobs. Don't get me wrong. They love the idea of getting promotions. But if you ask, I mean, they've done they've done they've done surveys on this. They've done studies, longitudinal studies over 30, 40 years on this. If you ask men why they deserve a promotion, about 40 percent of them will answer because I do a good job which is ridiculous. You don't get promoted just because you do a good job. You get promoted because you do an exceptional job. You go above and beyond. Otherwise, you just if you, if you just show up, and that's what they're paying you for, is to show up and do a good job. You know, they're not going to pay you more to do a good job, you know, still. But something like 90% of women claim that that's why they deserve a promotion, is because they do a good job, whether they do or not. You know, and the thing is, is that's that's a level of entitlement that shows it's not about the work. It's not about providing. It's about scorekeeping. It's about, you know, like showing you like, oh, look, I'm better than you. And that doesn't work. That doesn't work in corporate culture. It doesn't work in family culture. So you're finding that more people in the trades, they might not be finding career women, but Mm. they're finding women that want to have families. And they're finding that they they're finding not not the Twitter trad women that we're seeing all over the place. They're finding <laughs> actual women who are more traditional want to be with them. And this this is people that it's it's almost like when they unlock this, when they figure this out, they're like, oh, this is what everyone talked about when they said that the Orthodox Jews and the Amish and the Mormons and all of them are obsessed with family and all that. I get it now because all of that stuff doesn't come from a choice. You don't sit back and go, I want to be trad. You know, the only people you see on Twitter and places like that that want to be trad are people that have been sport banging for the last like 20 years of their lives. They're single mothers. They have no future. And now all of a sudden they're like, well, if I wear a dress and I say I like baking muffins and I tell somebody that I'm a born again virgin. Now, all of a sudden I can have like a trad family. Like, no, you're looking for someone to to pay for you not to grow old on your own. You know, but people like that are getting married at 18, 19 because they're looking to start families and he's looking for a job in the trades, they find themselves to be much happier and they find their marriage to be much longer lasting. So uh, obviously there's a lot of dissatisfaction out there among men, regardless of whether they're blue or white collar, regardless of their income level uh, with, uh, and this is that this, yeah, dissatisfaction pertains to uh, the quality of what's available on the dating scene, but it's, from what I have heard, a lot of tradesmen are especially distraught by the situation because they have the money, uh, they have uh, self-confidence because, as you said, but they do a zero margin for error. Either they succeed or they fail. 
but at the same time they, they feel that finding a, a woman is just very very difficult because they're the women see these guys as basically uh how do i put this invisible uh they don't even see them i can't say they see them as invisible the women just uh basically treat these guys as if they're invisible uh so what do you think about that and what does it say i suppose about where things stand in the relations between the sexes any thoughts on this before we begin to move along I think you're going to find that that's happened a lot since COVID. Um, not because of anything of COVID, but because it was already a trend that was already really accelerating, but COVID it further accelerated it. People don't go out anymore. Mm. So you're not meeting people at bars. You're not meeting people at clubs. You're not meeting, meeting people at, at religious affairs. You're meeting people online, on dating mm. apps, on social media. Like... You tell someone you're a plumber on social media, nobody's impressed. Yeah. And that's the problem, is that people on social media, social media is a woman's domain to begin with. Yeah, it's yeah. a place where you preen and show your tail feathers and, you know, everybody, like, if you're, if you're on, what's that, what's the swipe app? I don't even remember what it's called. Uh, Tinder. Tinder. If you're on Tinder and, and a woman sees a guy, it doesn't matter, like, what, what he basically looks like. I mean, if he looks like, you know, a, a movie star or whatever, he's got a, he's got a good shot. But she's swiping left if she right if she sees plumber, electrician, or whatever, because in her mind he doesn't make enough money, and there's no status. So, what is she going to gain from it? So mm. this this online world that we live in that is becoming more and more pervasive every single year is is going to hurt people in the trades overwhelmingly. But you're also already seeing the the that there's a, a, a kickback. There's there's resistance to this online world. More and more people are wanting to stop being so online. You mm -hmm. talk to them all the time. Like, if I, I'm one of those people. A lot of people are just like, listen, I spend way too much time online arguing with idiots about really stupid shit that nobody cares right. about, you know? And also, like, again, the online dating scene is basically people lying to each other to try to convince them that there's something that they're not. If you meet mm -hmm. someone at a bar, you could tell if somebody, you know, wipes their nose with their hand or smells bad or, <laughs> you know, like, or can't afford a beer, but online someone can lie and say they're rich and they're, they're whatever. They could show fake pictures. They can talk about how they're, you know, a doctor and, and whatever, because in the end, the chances you're going to meet up unless you live close to each other anyway, are very slim. Mm -hmm. So people are, are, are not socializing anymore. They're creating online personas where they lie to each other. And that creates a lot of loneliness. There's also being in a relationship requires sacrifice. That's, that's always going to be true, no matter how long it is. When you have people who spend a, a good amount of time playing video games and they, they don't cook, they order out. I don't care male or female, you know, like they don't do anything out in the real world. Bringing a relationship to bear on that is just is destined for for doom. Like Certainly. there's, there's no way that's going to become a productive relationship because no woman wants to be with a guy who sits around playing video games all day. And there's no guy that wants to be with a girl who constantly wants to go out to bars with her friends. So it's just, or want to be on Facebook, you know, or Instagram or whatever, preening for everybody. It just, it getting simped for over and over and over. It just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. No, 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 it doesn't. Uh, it's interesting you bring this up about people being whatever they want to be online, because one thing I've noticed among Zoomers, and they're the most online generation of all, a lot of them are what we call extreme online. 
Uh, they adopt and describe identities very easily. They have no real philosophical consistency. One day they're communists, the next day they're fascists, the next day they're neoliberal. And they basically don't have any frame of reference for standing by your word. And it's kind of easy to understand why, because they live behind usernames, uh, behind avatars. Uh, they uh, delete one social media account, they start a new one, and they're able to create this strange situation in which nothing really matters. It's no surprise that we see a tremendous degree of nihilism. I, I think the uh, online culture has created this by allowing people to have a massive disconnect between being uh, who they are and what they purport themselves to be. Uh, I can just tell you, <clears throat> you probably saw this on Twitter, me interacting with people. But when I got the doctor, a lot of people said, oh, it's fake. It's not real. You're not real. You're a meme. Uh, this is a bot. This guy can't be, you know, <laughs> he's, he, he's not a real person. Meanwhile, there are videos like this of me floating all around with proof that I'm indeed real. But it, it, and I just thought it was crazy. I didn't want to think that I would do a thing like this because it's so ridiculous. It's so be so easy. What would I from it but uh it's part of this broader uh culture this online culture where a lot of folks you know they, they're something they're not and they uh adopt and discard identities very easily and there's no consistency very interesting indeed very sad does not bode well going forward in a host of ways in uh you know mental health well it's also why you're seeing such tribalism when it comes to politics because now it, it used to be, I, I mean, I'm sure you remember this. I'm, I'm a little older than you, but I'm, when, when I was a kid, everybody said the same thing. It's two things you don't talk about in public. Absolutely. Politics. And nobody wanted to. If you started Absolutely. talking about politics somewhere, everybody would walk away from you. Yeah. It just it wasn't interesting. And they knew it was just going to lead to conflict and, and people mm -hmm. being assholes to each other. Nowadays, it's the exact opposite. Now it's you only talk about politics and religion and stuff like that, because that's how you identify as being part of your tribe. So you don't get far enough. Like if you say, I have a doctorate, like, yes, you'll get the assholes that go, oh, doctorate like Jill Biden or, you know, like or, or that want to just talk their stupid shit. But those are usually just people that are jealous. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, is that you can tell someone that you're a brain surgeon and that you make four hundred thousand dollars a year. But the first thing they're going to want to know is who you voted for. Yeah. Or, or do you support abortion or do you <laughs> what do you feel about guns or, or, or gays or anything like that? And even if you don't talk about that stuff within a few weeks, like of knowing someone, they're going to find out what like what what you believe in and what you don't. And if you don't agree with them on almost 100 percent of things, they're going to walk away from you. Mm -hmm. And that, that's another big, weird thing that I don't know how that's going to 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 play in the future. Yeah, it's very serious indeed. I mean, that relates to friendships, to relationships with family members, obviously to the dating scene. It's really interesting, uh, put mildly. And uh, I don't think the tribalism is going anywhere, although it is kind of interesting because there's tribalism and yet there are people who are less interested in uh, coherent, cohesive, long-term beliefs than ever before. It's sort of like tribalism for its own sake. Yeah, no, no, none of these, because you'll see it, especially with stuff like Ukraine or whatever, these people will change their positions on things overnight with no evidence whatsoever that would that would inspire it. Like, mm -hmm. I've, I've often told people that my opinion on abortion changed, but it's mm -hmm. not that it's not that my opinion on I didn't think it was murder. And now I don't think it was murder. I thought it was murder. I still think it's murder. I just look at the people who are getting them and don't want don't care that they're committing it. 
You know what I'm saying? Like I'd rather them just not reproduce. So I'm perfectly comfortable with keeping some level of abortion legal, you mm -hmm. know, but again, does that mean like I've now abandoned my tribe? No, I haven't. I haven't changed my tribe at all. Uh -huh. Nothing's nothing's different about me or, or my political beliefs. Like political beliefs do evolve. Mm -hmm. But I've seen people that are on one side of an issue and then within 24 hours are on the complete opposite yep. side because their tribe all of a sudden deemed that issue not fair anymore yep. or not 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 their issue anymore. And when you see stuff like that, how can a relationship survive like that? Mm -hmm. Like, how could you come home one day being like, oh, you know, lesbians are the greatest thing on earth. And then you come home the next day and they're like, and they're like, no, the trannies are the greatest. And you're like, well, I don't really buy that. And they're like, we're done. <laughs> you know, you're a bigot. Mm -hmm. Really? Okay. Like you, relationships can't survive that level of, of rigidness, of, of inability to compromise. And, and that's where we are now. And that's, that's where most people are. And social media just makes it a thousand times worse. And since that's where most people are spending most of their time and having most of their social interactions, look at um, look at the movie. I didn't see it, so I don't know much about it. But that Sound of Freedom movie. Uh -huh. I didn't see it either. Listen, I, I wouldn't mind seeing it at some point. I don't. I just don't go to the movies anymore, uh -huh. even if it's free, which I heard you could go see it for free. Like I would just, I'm, I'm just one of those people. I would just much rather watch it at home. But and I'm sure I will watch it. But from what I understand, it's about fighting child trafficking. Like, yes, there might be egos involved. Yes, there might be like a bit of a religious tinge to it. But it's about fighting child trafficking. And once one tribe, the left-leaning tribe, has done nothing but trash it as like they're not fighting it enough or they're fighting it from like a QAnon level or like the shit that they're making up about this movie. And it's kind of like, guys, it's a movie about, it. first of all, it's a movie. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, who gives a shit if, like, what, do you think Top Gun didn't embellish the details a bit? Like, movies all embellish details. None of them are 100, unless it's like a documentary, and even they get most of the shit they say wrong. But it's a movie. Like, if you're against child trafficking, and you want to see a movie about other people that are against child trafficking that might have an interesting story, then go watch it. I don't understand how that's tribal. Like, I don't understand why it's like, no, this movie is evil, don't go see it. Because the the main actor disagrees with me politically on certain things. Like, huh? Okay. But then but then how do you have a conversation about child trafficking when you can't even agree that a movie that says it's bad is okay for both sides to go see? How how could you have a conversation on anything if if you can't even agree on something as retarded as a movie? You know, and, and again, that's where we are. And that's the, so again, we could say it's it's the trades, it's the it's the the professionalism, it's the salaries, it's the world we live in. All that is true, but it, it really comes down to this this hyper tribalism that we have going on now that we can't seem to shed. What do you think more than anything else has caused this tribalism? Um I think there's a lot of it. Social media, I think, has a lot to answer for. I tell you the truth, I think the online world has a lot to answer for. But I think a lot of it has to just do with lack of options. Uh -huh. I mean, 2024 is realistically going to be, and I don't care what anyone thinks about any of the candidates, an 80-year-old senile man versus a, a what, 78-year-old, you know, basically like con man, like lifelong con man. Like, there's there's no more issues. Nobody cares about issues. Like, they, they really don't. 
You know, it's just I'm voting for my tribe. You're voting for yours. Like the the arguments between Trump and DeSantis and Christie and Pence and all of them. Like I have never seen someone take a clear, consistent point of view on anything yet. Like like Trump changes his mind on what he believes is the absolute truth every single day. And DeSantis is just as bad. Don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not standing up for DeSantis. He's done. Okay, he has managed to not only destroy his presidential hopes, but he's managed to basically destroy his entire career. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's pretty amazing what he's accomplished in the last six months. You know, like, I mean, talk about just jumping in front of a train and watching it squish you on national TV. Like, that's what he did. But mm-hmm. but Trump's no, no better. But how, how can you get jazzed up about the future when these two, I mean, we saw how awful 2020 was. 2024 is going to be even worse. You know, like whether the cheating and all of that, that's all here nor there. Neither of these guys are willing to talk about anything that matters. And you can't believe a word that either of them said, because whatever they come out for one day, they'll be dead set against the next day. So and not, neither one of them tells the truth about generally anything. So we're, we're now in a place like you knew if you if you voted for Ronald Reagan, you were getting a hardcore Christian conservative. You might not like Christian conservatives, so you didn't vote for him. Or you might like Christian conservatives, and you do vote for him. You at least knew what you were getting. Like, there was very few things that Ronald Reagan passed that people were like, holy shit, like amnesty. And that was just because he got taken advantage of. You know what I'm saying? Like, he made a mistake. But generally, everything he passed, you pretty much could expect that he was going to pass. Bill Clinton was very similar. Like, you knew what what the guy stood for. Would he have liked to pass Hillary Care? Yeah, of course. But after that, he realized, like, okay... And all this lefty shit isn't going to work. I'm just going to I'm just going to basically let New Gingrich run the show and take all the credit and get blowjobs in the office. You know, like again, George W. Bush, shitty president. Absolutely, I hate him more than I hate most people. But you knew what you were getting. Every time that, that a, an issue came up and you were wondering is he going to sign it or not sign it, you knew exactly where he stood on it. Exactly. When they said we're going to push tax cuts and wars and all that, you knew you were getting that. You voted for it. Same thing with Obama. You knew what you were getting. Even if he was a slimy piece of crap, you knew you were getting a slimy piece of crap and you had to be on your guard. At this point with Trump and Biden, you have no clue what you're getting. None. Because they change their opinions every day on what's important and what's not important. Remember in 2016 when the most important thing on earth was to build the wall? That was that wow. was like the cornerstone of his campaign. Does he even talk about the wall anymore other than, hell yeah, I'm going to build the wall when I get a chance. He doesn't talk about that anymore. He talks about Biden being a scumbag or DeSantis being a scumbag or, you know, when he gets when he gets in, he's going to start executing pedophiles and and uh, child pornographers and trannies. And like he's going to start executing drug dealers. But then he brags about releasing drug dealers and give, and starting a second, you know, uh, a second chance program for all the drug dealers he released that now he claims he wants to execute. And Biden doesn't know what he's talking about at all. He's you just know he whatever he's saying, he's going to do what, whatever they tell him to do, regardless of what he says he stands for. If they sent him a bill tomorrow expanding the Supreme Court to 157 justices, he would sign it in an instant, regardless of as if his whole career he said he was against it. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. So, you don't think 2024 is going to be the largest shit show we've ever seen? It's going to be. And now we have nothing after 2024, we have nothing. There's no one left, you know. 
It will be an interesting election cycle, no doubt. I think that uh, the Trump versus Biden contest will have many echoes of 2020, although there are certainly going to be some variations. And uh, I'm interested to see what it'll be because this has been a surprisingly entertaining cycle thus far. Trump is more uh, viable as a candidate. I mean, I've always been the GOP nomination, but he's doing better against Biden so far as I could tell than I imagine he would. Uh, and I think it just goes to show how unpopular Biden is. But whether or not that actually relates to Trump winning uh, an election, I should say translates into him winning a presidential election, very much remains to be seen. I mean, all this stuff is, is up in the air. It certainly is not a cakewalk for Trump, nor is it for Biden. And if, uh, you know, as an incumbent uh, running against Trump with as much baggage as he does, you would imagine that it would be a cakewalk for Biden, but that's definitely not uh, the case. So it, it's definitely shaped up to be an eventful, interesting cycle. And I'm actually feeling more chipper about it than I did the 2020 cycle in 2019. So, uh, you know, we shall see what comes of this. I mean, in politics, a, a year is an eternity, and there's about a year and a quarter uh, until the election. So uh, we shall see. We shall see indeed. Uh, now, Halsey, before we get to Hollywood, uh, which is really fascinating. We uh, we were beginning to touch on that before. But why do you think DeSantis has run such a piss poor campaign? Uh, because you know, even though he's, I, I knew he was never going to be Trump, but you would ex expected him not to like go this sort of like Iowa fundy freak show route, which he has gone down. Now he's firing staffers, which is obviously a sign of campaign distress. Uh, Steve Cortez, one of his guys, was openly admitting that they're not where they need to be in terms of the numbers, and you know damn well their internal poll numbers, which are more accurate than the stuff for the public from various pollsters, actually show something quite terrible. Uh, why do you think DeSantis has done so uniquely badly, even if he was never going to win, which I wholeheartedly believe he was never going to win uh, against Trump, he still is flaming out on a level that is shocking. Uh, what do you think is going on here? I've said this all along. And by the way, I think that these these plans have been completely demolished at this point. Um, I just don't think anyone assumed that this could happen. I think DeSantis was only in the race because he saw the writing on the wall that the Democrats were going to do whatever they could to stop Trump from running, that they were going to charge him with all kinds of crimes, that he was going to maybe go to prison. If they all they need to charge him is with anything that that with J6 that, that turns into like insurrection or all of that. And then he's barred from running by the, by, the, by the 25th Amendment. So I think he was thinking that when they stop Trump from running, he'll be the, the heir apparent. Like, obviously, if, if this was six months ago, right, and they stopped Trump from running, DeSantis would have been the front runner by the biggest long shot that you could imagine. At this point, it wouldn't matter. People will just stay home. And they'll probably write in Trump. And I don't even know if DeSantis wins the primary, even if Trump is banned from running, <laughs> you know. But I, that's why I think that the, I think the Democrats had it all planned out. They knew exactly what they were going to do about DeSantis. They've had Newsom running against DeSantis for two years now. So, you know, Newsom, everything he does is against DeSantis specifically. He's, he puts billboards in Florida. He talks about DeSantis like he doesn't ever go after Trump. He doesn't even talk about Trump. Mm -hmm. He just goes after DeSantis constantly. So I think that was their out with Kamala and Biden is that when they stop Trump from running, DeSantis becomes the nominee. They put Newsom against DeSantis and now you've got a race, you know, and then all they got to do is their little cheat thing and, and DeSantis and DeSantis goes down. 
But now I don't even know if DeSantis gets if if they were to stop Trump from running. Let's say tomorrow, Trump got hit by a meteor and and was out of the picture. There was no way you could vote for Trump. I don't believe DeSantis gets the nomination. I, I think I think that maybe they go to Vivek or they go to someone will step up at that point. Maybe the 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 black guy, what's his name, Tim Scott. Maybe he comes out ahead. Yeah. Someone someone steps up, but DeSantis doesn't get the nomination. He's pissed off enough people now that I, I don't mm. think he recovers from it ever. And he can't run for Florida mm. governor again. He's, he's term limited. Yep. So, and that's why I think you, you haven't heard as much from Gavin Newsom lately because he realized that he's not going to get off the bench. So, yeah, it, it, it's strange why DeSantis decided to become so unlikable. Do you think it's a function of his personality? Do you think he's getting bad advice from the campaign? Obviously, my perspective is that his wife is running his life personally and professionally, and that's what this is all attributable to. But where do you come down on this? I'm not really sure. I think what he wasn't expecting from the gate is that Trump was going to go after him. Just constantly go after him. And he had to show that he was electable. But the problem is, is that Trump's base is the majority of the GOP. So you need to at least be appealable to Trump's base in the advent that there is no Trump. He couldn't do that because from the moment he even, way before he announced, but from the moment it even seemed like he might consider running for president trump has gone after him with a fury that i i didn't expect i didn't expect him to go after after him like that but at this point the only people that can even show that that desantis has a has a heartbeat are the the never trumpers from from 2016 like paul ryan like the people that that the trump people really hate you know and i really hate and everybody like even the people that were pro desantis are like well wait a minute He's taking money from Karl Rove and Jeb Bush and, you know, like he's he sounds like a like a never Trumper when he's out on the campaign trail. He said that if Trump gets the nomination, he won't support him. Like, OK, if we wanted to vote for Chris Christie, we have his fat ass in the in the race already. So now now DeSantis and nobody cares about the woke stuff from politicians. Like if, if you if, if you're calling for a boycott of Target, the conservative will the GOP is right, base is right behind you. The Trump base is right behind you. You're calling for the bump, the boycott of Bud Light. You want to put him out of business? We're in. But I don't, I don't want to hear about Disney. I don't want to hear about about passing laws that are going to stop transgenders from from playing sports. Like, yes, do I think it's cool that they're stopping all that stuff? I do, but I don't think that that's like when you, if you do get elected president and you get to Washington, nobody gives a fuck. Like, you're, that's okay. We know you're going to do that. Like mm -hmm. that's that's already been proven. All GOP except for Chris Christie, I think, have mm -hmm. said they're going to pass laws stopping trannies from being in sports, and you know they're gonna they're gonna work with parents on the school boards, and they're gonna pay. Like we know that that's a standard GOP position on all those things. So stop it. Like I don't want to hear about Florida being where woke goes to die. I don't care about COVID anymore. Like I I just want to hear like how are you going to stop them from fucking us over? That's what I want to hear. I want to, how are you going to tackle inflation? How are you going to make it so the country doesn't dissolve into like a complete shithole where people can't get jobs and can't do it? Like, I know it sounds very like typical GOP nonsense to say that, that stuff, but those things are important right now. Oh, absolutely. And nobody's talking about it. Yeah. You know, all we're talking about is, as I said, is how big the dick is of whoever is running in women's sports today 
or like did we fuck over Disney sufficiently? I, I think that DeSantis is is he can't just leave at this point. He should because he might be able to spend the next few years salvaging his political yeah. career if he would just say this isn't the time. You know, I'm going to support Trump. I'm done. Uh, I I just don't. I don't know why he's not doing it. Like, I mean, unless he still really believes that Trump's not going to be able to run and that he'll be the 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 nominee. I think it's his wife. And, you know, it's interesting because there is a massive difference in terms of the focus uh, between the Trump campaign and the DeSantis campaign. Uh, the Trump campaign is talking. Trump was just giving a speech about preventing World War Three, and he was using that to appeal to younger voters that, who don't want to be drafted and die for Slava Ukraine, essentially. Uh, and DeSantis is talking about a six-week abortion ban nationally. Uh, he's talking about Disney, this, that, the other thing, and it goes to show the fundamental level of seriousness uh, that the Trump campaign has relative to the DeSantis campaign. Uh, Ron focusing on these issues, it, it's just, it makes no sense to me. It really doesn't. It, it doesn't. And I mean, look, Trump also said today that Zelensky was the most awesome person on earth and he would give them more weapons than Biden is. So I don't know. Again, I don't, I don't believe anything he really says. So like, I believe he'll do whatever he wants to do at that moment. I think that whenever he gives an interview, he just says whatever comes to his mind at the moment. I don't think he gives any pre-thought to it. I don't think he gives any afterthought to it. I think he just says whatever comes to his mind at the moment. Do I really think he's going to give Zelensky more weapons and try to escalate Ukraine? No, I don't. Mm -hmm. Do I think he's going to say that he will? I don't know why. I mean, it seems pretty stupid. But uh -huh. then again, he's also out there bragging about how awesome he was on COVID, which I think is still is silly too. Trump has his own way and Trump's going to do his own thing. And I'm, I'm glad I'm not advising him because whatever. Let him do his own thing, you know? Talking about uh, DeSantis, then we really do have to get on to Hollywood. Uh, and specifically the relationship between him and his wife. How does that strike you uh, in terms of the moves he's making on the campaign trail? And I suppose it relates to other issues as well. But uh, she has received a lot of attention as someone who lords over him. And this is something I pointed out long before the issue became a matter of uh, public interest. Uh, but uh, it, it is something. I think that her influence over him uh, I'm certain her influence over him has made him do no shortage of unfortunate, unpopular things. We might as well move on to, to Hollywood because, I, A, I don't have a lot of time, and, B, I honestly haven't been following enough. Like, from what I've seen of his, of his wife, she just seems like she's got his balls on a chain. But, and if that's the case, whatever, like, okay, he's not the first P-whipped, you know, politician. But it just, it seems a bit odd like you'd think she would be the first one telling him, like, honey, you got to get out of this. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you're you're embarrassing us. You're embarrassing the state. Like, I don't know what's going on, but she seems to she wants again. She wants the status. She wants mm -hmm. to be able to tell people that, you know. Yeah. Guys have to be very careful who they marry. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> I mean, she seems fairly awful, but mm -hmm. I mean, I don't again, I, I haven't been following it enough to know just how awful she is, but she seems fairly awful. And now talking about Hollywood, there obviously are two strikes going on. One has been going on for a few months now. That's the Writers Guild of America. And then there is a strike which just began, that of the Screen Actors Guild. And Hollywood now is basically shut down. And uh, the actors and the writers hope that this will cause studio heads to renegotiate contracts with the unions 
and uh, well, they're, they're both the writers and and the actors want royalties from streaming, which they don't have. Uh, but then again, traditionally, actors and writers were paid uh, upfront for their work. They didn't even get royalties. It's more of a TV thing. Uh, but uh, now, you know, they want streaming royalties, as I said. Uh, but there are a lot of things here. Number one, there is no time which rivals our own in terms of free content being available via streaming, legitimate free content, legally uh, available free content. Studios have set up websites uh, or apps like Crackle, like Tubi, like Pluto, Plex, so on and so forth. And these make TV shows and movies available to people without them paying a penny for them. The Roku channel is another one. It goes on and on. Uh, even on YouTube, studios upload their movies now to YouTube. So people uh, are not paying to watch content as they once did. And even though there are advertisements uh, in this content, uh, you know, the, 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 the revenue from them is anemic in relation to, you know, people actually paying to rent something or to go watch it in a theater uh, or paying, you know, for a physical copy of a DVD or VHS tape or Blu-ray. So now it's, it's this unique state of affairs wherein there's not as much money to be made from distributing content. Uh, and it is because of streaming, and yet the writers and the actors want more money, and it's understandable that they do because they feel they're getting screwed over, and they are. But uh, it, there are so many changes in the economy and in how people consume uh, movies and uh, TV shows, uh, entertainment of different kinds. Uh, you, you really, there's not as much money to be made, uh, to be blunt, in distribution now. And uh, the irony is that movies today from the major studios are more expensive to make than ever before due to inflation. And yet they lose more money than they have in recent memory, uh, perhaps ever. So just look what happened to Indiana Jones versus Sound of Freedom. Uh, so what do you think is going on with this, Halsey? I mean, the situation, one can approach it from many different perspectives. Where do you stand here? Where would you like to go with this? So, there's a lot to cover. This already happened with with the music industry. Mm -hmm. it, it, the same thing happened. It was it was inevitable that it was going to happen, and the giant record contracts that used to happen back in the '80s and '90s were a dead thing because mm -hmm. the the streaming pro programs weren't going to stop, and an artist was going to lose more from not being on apple music and all yeah. of that then they would like they couldn't take the they all tried a bunch of them tried that they mm -hmm. they were going to take the streaming platforms hostage and mm -hmm. say well i won't put my music there you know i'll just only sell it here or only do it here and they were like well fine fuck you take it and then mm -hmm. those people were like well wait no one's listening to my music anymore i don't want to yeah. become irrelevant the the same thing is generally happening with with movies now like number one stars don't carry movies anymore mm -hmm. like people i in fact the best things that i've seen lately have like no real star power at all they have they have people that are well known but like there's no such mm -hmm. other than like maybe tom cruise and a few other people uh -huh. there are no superstars anymore correct secondly the streaming platforms have been doing the same thing that the music platforms were doing they're willing to 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 pay top dollar for content because their goal is to bring in more users. Mm -hmm. Their goal is to bring in more people. Even the free ones, they're getting paid for that. Like they mm -hmm. have advertisers, like there are people trying a lot of different methods. And that's nice that the Screen Actors Guild like 
is going to take a break. But tell you what, Netflix still has the same content on it that it's had. And so does Apple TV and so does all of it. So it's not like there's going to be a ton of content elsewhere. And, you know, that's going to rival it. Like, you're not going to go to movie theaters to see movies that are reruns. Exactly. You know, so these these stars, the Screen Actors Guild, the writing guild, like they're shooting themselves in the foot because the streaming platforms are going to be the only game in town where you can watch the older stuff that you still like just because there's nothing else out. And during that time, they're going to save a fortune because they're not paying actors, they're not paying production, they're not paying any of it. So during the time where they're the only game in town and movie theaters are going to be positively murdered, mm-hmm. they already were doing pretty shitty to begin with. They're going to get positive. COVID. Yeah, and because of COVID and because there hasn't been a lot of movies out that people even yeah. care about anymore. Right. So... Now they're going to get to the point where, okay, the only game in town anyway is the streaming platforms. Because if you want to watch something, if you want to watch reruns of anything, the only place is the streaming platforms. And the 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 new content doesn't matter because sooner or later, these these stars and especially the people who aren't mega stars right now, they're going to need money again. Mm-hmm. They they're not going to live these flamboyant lifestyles. They have they have million dollar mortgages to pay and all this shit too. They're, they're not going to just carry this on for the next five years. So mm-hmm. sooner or later, there's going to be compromises. They're all going to do what they have to do. And the streaming platforms are going to come out supreme, you know, because mm-hmm. like you said, Disney has released one flop after the other, and none yeah. of these movies are making their money back. And yeah. it's always been a case that the investors drive movies. Like the reason they could spend $300 million is not just because Disney has $300 million is because they had private investors that were willing to put in part of the budget too. Yep. That's who's going to keep putting in money if they're just losing it. Yep. You know. And and they can't be like, "Oh, well, I'll put it in. It's an Indiana Jones movie." That doesn't work anymore. All of these movies suck. With mm-hmm. the exception of like what? Tom Cruise and John Wick. Mm-hmm. You know. So I, Why I, do you... Sorry, I go think, ahead. I think they're really shooting themselves in the foot right now, just like baseball did. Remember when baseball went on strike? Because they wanted more money and all that, and they canceled like a season and a half, and then it took them ten years before people gave a crap about baseball again. Mm-hmm. It's there. It's going to be a thousand times worse now because with baseball there was no alternative. With mm-hmm. now, the only alternative is going to be the streaming platforms. Now, uh, why do you think Tom Cruise uh, has such? Uh, he's basically like the only superstar left. Why do you think he? It. it is able to still compel such outstanding box office returns and to a lesser extent Keanu Reeves with John Wick. Although I think with Keanu Reeves, it's not really him so much as this franchise, which he was fortunate enough to find himself in. I think this is more really a Tom Cruise thing where he's the last big superstar that is almost guaranteed to have an outstanding uh, an outstanding performance in the box office. Because he's making films people want to see. Mm-hmm. And if and if if it's not what he thinks people want to see, he's just as comfortable not doing it. How long did he keep Maverick out of the theaters? Because he just he didn't think it was ready. He didn't think it was going to do what it needed to do. He he, he delayed to release that movie like four or five times uh-huh. by by like a year each time too. He wouldn't release it during COVID. He wouldn't release it out of the theater. He's he's very good at knowing what people want to see, and he's very much going back to that audience of people that will go to movie theaters. It's like people who who write for uh, newspapers, right? Like they're all going after boomers because boomers are the only people who still read newspapers. So a lot of the articles you see in newspapers are 
boomer articles you know it's the same thing tom cruise just really really knows what the people that are willing to go to movie theaters want to see mm -hmm. and it's uh incredible that he still does as well as he does he's in his 60s now i mean obviously he looks much younger but he still keeps making these movies that just do exceptionally uh and i have no doubt that this is not anything that's about to end but otherwise you know big stars like uh george clooney uh, you know, there are others, I'm not going to go through all of them here, but they, they just don't have the same pull that they used to. Uh, and it's, because they're it's making not, everything political. So, so they're limiting their audience to half the country. Mm -hmm. So, and the problem is, is that if you limit your audience to a conservative audience, you're going to make more money on your, because your your people are going to go see your movie, but you're going to be shunned by the industry that you're in. Absolutely. And the opposite is true. If you make a woke piece of trash, it's not going to make any money, but you're going to get hailed as a genius by by the industry you're in. Mm -hmm. So and and that's the, again, that's that's going to have a big chickens coming home to roost thing, too, because you can only keep going with this woke nonsense so much because people aren't going to it. They're not watching it. So mm -hmm. it's not they, I guess they always assume that people would just, you know, start accepting it and just be like, cool with it. No, mm -hmm. like people don't need to watch TV that much. Yeah, like nobody cares about Black Little Mermaid. Nobody cares about, you know, the the, the who was it? Um, Black Cleopatra. Like no one cares about any of this stuff. So mm -hmm. it's not like it's not like uh, like me personally. It's not like I'm going to go on Twitter or wherever it is and be like, I am formally protesting the Black Little Mermaid because I think it's stupid and woke and all this stuff. I'm just never going to see it. Exactly. You know, and and neither will my kids because I'm never going to buy it. Mm -hmm. So uh, like okay. So you shot yourself in the foot. The only time where anyone's going to give a shit about watching that movie is if it's free. Okay? Absolutely. Yeah, on Plex or something like that. Or even if you have Disney Plus. Like, okay, yeah. you'll watch it when it's on Disney Plus. But until mm -hmm. then, you're not going to watch shit. And you're not going to join if Disney Plus for it. Exactly. So it's not going to make any real money on Disney Plus. Uh, it's just content there to justify the subscription, uh, the cost of the subscription. Uh, now, Holtz, before we do wrap things up, do you think that filmmakers who create stuff like Black Little Mermaid and then there's a woke version of Snow White coming out, which is almost dwarf free, bizarre as that might sound. Uh, why do you do you think that people who make these movies think that they'll make money and that they'll change the world? Or um, even though there's ample evidence to the contrary, what do you think their mindset is? Because it seems like they're engaging in something that's certain to be futile. At best, they'll just preach to the choir, maybe barely break even. But even that is uh, quite unlikely. Number one, they want to be groundbreaking. And number two, they want to have their ass sucked by, by the industry that they're in. So it's, it's, it has nothing to do with making... They don't care if the movie makes money. They've never cared if the movies make money. They Like Tom Cruise, the reason he cares if his movies makes money is because he's the producer of them. Yeah, he makes he makes a fortune if they make money. Yeah. Most most of these Hollywood people, they don't make all that much extra if the movie does really well. They just might get their next job a little easier. But but at this point, that doesn't even matter. They're getting jobs based on how much they're they're, you know, appealing to this kind of woke Hollywood, which, again, it'll stop. And, and sooner or later, they'll have to try to make better movies. But again, why would you go to a Hollywood studio to make a movie when Netflix is willing to give you an unlimited budget and they don't really give a fuck what you do. Like mm -hmm. the, the, if you'll notice like Scorsese, Ridley Scott, all they're not going to studios anymore. Why would they? Netflix mm -hmm. is willing to give them just as much money to make the movies and they don't care about any of it. They don't care what the theme is. They don't care what the, woke, what the politics are. They're like, okay, you're, 
Martin Scorsese, you make good movies. We'll give you money to make your movie for us instead of making it for a studio. Okay, well, what are my constraints? Your constraints are that we're giving you $100 million. Like, do what you got to do. We'll talk to you when it comes out. Mm -hmm. You know, Apple's doing the same thing majoritively. And so, so is all of them. Like, the, they just, uh, Amazon, even the, even the wokest streaming services like Apple and Amazon don't care. They're just mm -hmm. allowing them to make content. Mm -hmm. And obviously the content is to justify subscriptions to uh, the streaming services, uh, mm -hmm. which is really something else because there's no way these, uh, these streaming companies are making money off these movies in terms of, you know, <laughs> people watching them. It's just, as you said, to raise the profile of the uh, streaming service itself and to basically do for these services what The Sopranos did for HBO. There's that and there's a couple other factors. One, if I wasn't going to subscribe to, let's say, Hulu, right? Because I saw no benefit to it. But then I heard there was a great show on Hulu. I'm very likely to give it a shot. Like, I'll mm -hmm. sign up for the free 30-day trial, which I'll forget to cancel after 30 days. Or, you know, like, I'll give it the free the, the month where I'll pay for it or two months that I'll pay for it. And if I like the show and it doesn't come out all at one shot, I'll stay on for that. And I'll probably stay on for a long time because now I'll, I'll have another content thing for myself same thing with netflix it also retains people if netflix has let's say a million subscribers i know it's a lot more than that but let's say oh. it's a million subscribers right and a hundred thousand of them are on the edge about whether they're going to keep it or not and then they release a martin scorsese movie well now maybe i'm not so on the edge anymore maybe i'm just going to keep it for now because i want to see the movie you know and then i'm not going to think about it again until i redo my budget in six months or whatever it may be so it mm -hmm. retains those users that they need to make the money that they're making, you know? So I, I think, I think that the, the, the actors and writers who are, who are doing this, I think their, their main fear is AI is that, uh, and I think that they want to get a deal on AI. And I think that you've got some of the, like the older people that probably want, you know, some stupid shit, but I mean, look at, look at the writers, like Taylor Sheridan writes like 90% of like the really profitable shit that's coming out with, with Yellowstone and 1923 and all of that and all his series. Sure. He's on strike, but he can, he can come off strike whenever, cause he's also an owner. So he could just come off strike whenever he wants, you know, like it'll be nice that all these writers want, you know, more money and all of this and they'll probably get it. The, the streaming services will come through and say, Okay, we're willing to talk and and let's let's be more realistic. But remember, as I said, they're the only game in town right now. So when the content, when all the shit that they already have filmed is run out and there's no more stuff to actually like release, all of these people are gonna like. What do we got left? If we want to watch any TV, we're gonna have to have a streaming service that we can watch older shit. You know, no one's gonna go to the theaters to see, you know, Indiana Jones again. Nobody went in the first time. So, again, they're going to lose. It's just a question of when they're going to realize it. And the last question is, uh, it's about entertainment, not so much Hollywood, but late night. Uh, Greg Gutfeld, obviously, has broken onto the scene of his show, uh, and it has done very well in the ratings. And it really puts guys who are much more well-established to shame that they uh, are, that they would have someone like Gutfeld in their lane, essentially, driving so fast. Do you think that it makes Colbert and Kimmel and Myers uh, angry that this has happened? Uh, because it does relate, obviously, to the writer's strike, since uh, Gutfeld show is the only late-night one still on the air. Uh, the writer's strike took all the other guys off. Uh, so 
Oh, do you think that these other guys are uh, peeved at how well Gutfeld has done relative to them, or do you think it's like the uh, makers of these uh, big studio films that they don't care whether or not it loses money or whether it gets uh, obviously if they don't care whether or not it makes money then they don't care whether or not people actually come out to see it. Uh, what do you think is going on there? I think that that uh, first of all I'm, I I'm, I don't like Gutfeld like I've never really found I'm not a big fan of his either. But I think that that when you have comedy in general. People mm -hmm. like funny people. And Colbert and all of them, they're not funny. Mm -hmm. They might have had decent writers at one point that oh. made them somewhat funny, but now they're more political. Now they're all, all they want to talk about is politics all the time. And unfortunately, leftists don't watch TV. Mm -hmm. So, like, yes, do they have an audience? Sure. But it's like it's like all the other leftist garbage that comes out. No, they're like the people that scream the loudest that they want leftist influence on all this shit aren't the people that actually use the services. You know, like you would think that that the, if 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 Bud Light really did believe that Dylan Mulvaney was going to be their savior and, and bring them back up, you would have thought that leftists would have like been like, OK, it might taste like piss, but let's go buy Bud Light because we just now convinced like one of the most conservative beer companies on Earth to, to go woke. Let's support them, whatever they don't. Oh. And how is their boycott really hurt Chick-fil-A? You know, like, <laughs> so oh. I'm just saying like. They don't have the economic power and the, the social power that they think they have. Mm -hmm. And now people, as I said, when you have options, like it's not like people on uh, conservatives, let's just call them that just for the sake of it, or GOP, whatever you want, people that aren't leftists. Like, it's not like they're going to watch Colbert. Most of us don't. I don't even have cable. Like I, I, I have a couple streaming services, but I don't have cable. So when am I going to see Colbert anyway? It's not like I'm it's not like I would have watched him in the first place. But at this point, I don't even think I have the ability to, even if I wanted to. So now he's appealing to a group of people that are never going to watch him in the first place to bring a message that nobody wants to hear. And the, I mean, there's a reason why Fox News has something like 68 percent of all views on, on on news in general. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's because the people that are will, that are willing to sit there and watch the news don't want to hear CNN and MSNBC. So I think you're just going to see that a lot of that, especially you're going to see that a lot of people want to let a lot less controversy because, as I said, the boomers are the only ones who are really watching this shit. Mm -hmm. So, OK, so they got rid of Tucker. Tucker will do his thing online and Gutfeld will take over on Fox. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this is I, I you just brought up, so it has to be a follow up. How do you think Tucker's going to fare on Twitter with, you know, Fox going after him now since he's doing his show? Tucker gets very good viewership on Twitter, which is not surprising. He does quite well for himself. It's not that he's unpopular, uh, although he doesn't have the same level of attention outside of his audience that he once did when he was on TV. But he still does very well for himself with viewership. Uh, and uh, at the same time, Fox has, uh, I believe they did file a lawsuit against him. Others just that they threatened to. Uh, so where do you think this goes? I don't know, honestly, because I haven't been following. I, have, I haven't seen a single one of his shows. I haven't heard much about it. I, j I don't have time to follow that much anymore. And mm -hmm. the only thing I used to watch from Tucker were his openings. Mm -hmm. And I would watch him on YouTube in the morning when I, I when I got up and I was cooking breakfast. I would just watch whatever his opening was from the I, I, I don't think I've watched a full Tucker Carlson show in 10 years. Oh, wow. So, so I've only ever seen his openings. So like now at this point, I don't, I don't, I, I, I hear he's doing cool things. I, I just don't know what it is. And I'm quite sure if he's, if he really does have Elon Musk backing him, like people have said, 
then the lawsuit from Fox won't matter because Elon's got just as much money to defend as they do to go after him. And I think his, his main argument is based on the idea that he's not, it's not a show. He's not on media. He's just on social media doing like he's allowed to post on social media, you know? Uh-huh. So we'll see how that works. Well, out. I wish Tucker the best, obviously. Me too. Uh, it's good. Yeah. It, it's good to see alternatives to the more established media sources. And uh, I think we're going to see more of this. Uh, I really do. As a matter of fact, even in athletics, uh, Ice Cube has set up a sort of a, a small alternative to the NBA. Uh, and yeah, the, they're doing very well when it comes to ratings. They actually got on CBS. Uh, but boy, is the NBA angry to try and put all the screws to him. So you see sort of the establishment, whether it be Fox News or the NBA, going after these more upstarts. Uh, but the upstarts are essential to provide competition, which ultimately serves the consumer. And I'm all in favor of that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. All right. Well, Halsey, thank you very much for stopping by tonight. It's been a great discussion. I hope we're able to chat again very soon. Agreed. 100%, my friend. 100%. Outs- you have a great Outstanding. Night. Same to you, Halsey. And thank you very much for tuning in, everyone. I hope you've enjoyed this discussion as much as Halsey and I did. Please stay safe, be well, and cheers. Why is it so hard to retain talent? This question haunts businesses. Conventional wisdom and much-touted innovation never solved the riddle of rampant employee transients. However, there is a method which proves itself efficient generation after generation. This approach is far from groundbreaking, yet has received so little attention that it might as well be. Some of those who worked closest to Queen Elizabeth II remained on staff for over 60 years. Otherwise, her household enjoyed a rate of labor retention which vastly exceeded the U.S. average. Find out about Her Majesty's pursuit of workplace excellence in my latest book, Follow the Leader, What the Business World Can Learn How Queen Elizabeth Managed and Served Others. Available now on Amazon. Just type in Joseph Cotto and follow the leader. It may be what you need to take your business to the next level.